0: Hello this is Gary Naylor. On February 16 of this year, 2017, we began a thread of thought and consideration with a podcast titled March is Like May. You can go back and listen to that podcast if you wish. But what we were looking at was developed by an interest in May. Because May 31, has the evidence of being a tabernacle's Pentecost, as well as a delayed Passover. And then for the Jews, it would be Pentecost per se. And of course, we hope that May 31 is going to provide us the latter rain. And when examining this further, of this March is like May, we begin to see the pattern that if March would be like May, then March would be a type of the first remnant, and May would be the fulfillment effected by the second remnant. Well, with that pattern, that would mean that April would be a type of Christianity. It would be the breach period between the March and the May. And this was developed more clearly in the last two podcasts, the Cause for Hope and Update and Hope-Filled Understanding. But this consideration also spilled over into the Africa reports where they became an extension of the podcasts because we began to see in Africa what we were considering in March, April, May with the March activities in Africa being a type of the first remnant and then April would be a type of the breach boy, we've seen some things in April that (laughs) have every indication of being a breach where Satan rules. The first Africa report that addressed this is dated April 7. You can go look at that. Then the one on April 12 was really kind of a bright light in darkness where we saw some encouraging things. And then the last Africa report dated April 18, really began to evidence more and more that April is a type of the last 2,000 years of Christianity. They've been tough. And the reason that I'm doing this podcast is because that testimony has not abated at all. It continues to be extremely difficult. And I would say even quite revealing concerning what Christianity is. You know, at one time, Caleb said, why don't they take April out of the calendar? Well, let me tell you, it has not lessened any. And I'm going to share some of those things with you. And I wanted to do this in a podcast so that I could talk with you about it. And let's begin this podcast assessment with what took place on April 1. That is when Brother Choi was driving and there was a wreck. I do believe this was in Kampala, Uganda, or at least in that area. And in that wreck, a motorbike passed them and then stopped real quickly because of traffic. And they ended up crashing into the motorbike and breaking both legs for the man who was driving it. And we had to pay for his hospital care as well as the restoration of his motorbike was about $700. Now, of course, April 1 is the date in which Yeshua was crucified. April 1st, 33 AD. And just adding this as a point of interest, I do believe that is the source of the April Fool's Day. I think it goes all the way back that far. When I researched it, nobody knew where it came from. If you look at Yeshua's crucifixion on April 1, you can be most certain both Romans and Jews mocked that day, and there would have been every reason to call it April Fool's Day. So April 1 began with a very difficult and costly episode And I might add here as well, that when Yeshua was crucified, the men on both sides of him, their legs were broken. And that's exactly what happened to the man who was riding the motorbike. Both of his legs were broken. And that testimony will not be limited to this one experience, as you will see. Moving forward in time, on April 6, five days later, In Jinja, Uganda, Brother Choi was teaching Bride Truth, and he passed out. They called an ambulance, and on the way to the hospital, Brother Choi died. That was a very hard and bitter experience for Caleb. Brother Choi's life was totally enmeshed in the Bride. And so we had full responsibility for his burial. And so we worked with the local pastors and bishops there, and we buried Brother Choi. And it it was costly in more ways than just finances, really. Caleb and another gentleman then proceeded to Busia in Kenya, and they held a meeting there. It lasted a few days. I had been to Busia as well, probably in December. I was in Busia and taught Bride Truth there for the first time, and it was a wonderful experience. And it was one in which there was difficulty with three bishops that came, and one of them threatened Caleb, and in fact, I found out he even hit him; he slapped him. But with time and a little understanding. The gentleman who did such, his name was Derek Bishop Derrick. He came to the meeting. Actually, this was the second time that he had actually sat down finally and listened to Bride Truth. But Brother Derrick was there. And he enjoyed it so much, and he wanted to come to Rongo and get some CDs and DVDs. And so he joined Caleb and continued with the journey as they went towards Rongo. So now, another five days, this time from April 6th when Choi died, on April the 11th in Kisumu, Kenya, Caleb passed out. They took him to the hospital and they put him in intensive care. He was weak and Caleb suffers from the symptoms of intestinal cancer. But they gave him some medication he was feeling better and he needed to have that cancer treatment, which we, the bride, were going to provide for him. But he needed this time to go to a place called Kisi, which is just south of Rongo. And so on April 12th, he proceeded to Kisi, where he had the cancer treatment. After the treatment, of course, he went home to his house in Rongo. And it was wonderful for him and Belinda. And Yangi and little Junior, his son, to be together. But the joy and simplicity would not last long. You might recall Brother Sheikh Dor, who became a bride believer and moved and lived with Caleb and his family, he and his wife, and Sheikh Dor. Died. as addressed in the podcast The Effectual Two-Bird Pattern and Rebecca. But Shake Door died. And his wife continued to live there in the home. It's a duplex with Caleb and Belinda. I didn't know this, but she was actually pregnant with Brother Door's child at the time. And on April 15, she began to have birth pains, and they took her to the hospital there in Rongo for the delivery. Brother Doris' wife was probably about 46, and she was having difficulty in the delivery, and they needed to transport her to the Catholic Hospital, which was about an hour's drive, a little more, from Rongo. And that's what they did. They transferred her to the Catholic hospital. But unfortunately, on April 15, complications developed and both mother and child died. And here was yet another bitter and difficult experience in this breach. April 15 would mark the middle of the breach, and it bore a very painful and difficult testimony and of course this was on the heels of the death of brother Choi, who had died a mere nine days before this of course this breach is the breach of christianity and when sister dor and this child this son died i wondered if yahweh was using it as a prophetic testimony And he very well could have. I will ask you a question. Can Christianity bring forth the male child? No. Yeshua? No. Christianity can never bring forth Yeshua, the male child, the man child. They never can. It's impossible for them. You can only get a child from a female work. Not a male work. The body of Christ has to be put to sleep, its side open, take out a rib and form a female work, which can then bring forth the man-child. So we ask the question, was Sister Dora able to bring forth the man-child? And the answer is no. And there seemed to be this evidence concerning the inadequacy of the breach period to bring forth the son of God. The uniqueness of this is the name door. Are they the door that can bring forth the man child or the son of God? And the answer is no, they are not the door. It is actually the second remnant, the Philadelphia church that says, I will open a door for you that no man can close. And this is what we have to have. We have to have a bride work that brings forth or births Emmanuel back to this earth. We, the bride, are the door for bringing forth the Son of God. And the testimony with our dear sister is that Christianity cannot bring forth the Son of God. They cannot birth the Son of God back to this earth. But... Sadly, and with great difficulty, the failure of Christianity, this breach period, was not finished. Sister Dor and her son died on April 15. There's an interesting thing about Satan. Says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, we've already seen him kill. He killed Sister Dor and the son. He killed Brother Choi. And destroy, yes, he's destroyed just from a physical standpoint, destroyed our car with that wreck. And we had to have all kinds of work on it. So we already have had the testimony of kill and destroy. And then... If it wasn't already enough difficulty on Caleb and his family, three days later, and just remember, they've just got Sister Dora and the baby in the grave. Three days later, April 18, Caleb contacted me, and Belinda was out of the house, Yangi was gone, and Caleb was out with Brother Derek, who had come with him from Busia, this is the gentleman who had grabbed his shirt and threatened to beat him up. So on April 18, everyone was out of the house. and That's where I lived as well in the duplex. And while they were all out, someone came and broke the lock off the door and stole everything in Caleb's home. I'm talking about everything. He didn't have beds, per se. He actually had mattresses that he slept on. They stole the mattresses. They stole all of their clothing, everyone's clothing. They stole their luggage. There was no furniture that clothing was in. They kept it in luggage. And so that was all taken. They stole the plastic chairs that they sat in. They stole the propane cooker. They stole all their dishes. They stole everything in his house. Uh, He didn't have any furniture. But what he did have, they stole every bit of it. And he came home to an empty house. So, steal, kill, and destroy? Yeah, all three of them at this point. So when Caleb told me about this, I had one question for him. Because Satan stole every bit of this in this breach period. And I was not going to allow Satan to win. So I had one question for Caleb. Caleb, what will it cost you to replace everything that was stolen? For him, it's going to cost about $680. And I said, I will get that money to you, which I did. And so the next day on the 19th, he and Belinda went shopping in the market in Rongo. And they replaced everything that was lost. And they were, especially Belinda, but they were extremely grateful for this. But Satan wasn't going to win that one. And so we restored everything. And that was on the 19th. So, how about April 20 in this breach period? April 18, he got robbed of everything. April 20 came. The bitterness of the breach had not abated one bit. In the Africa report dated April 18, I spoke about a brother Paul. A brother Paul, kind of like brother Derek, was against Caleb at one point and was saying all manner of evil against him, saying that he was doing the work of Satan. But Caleb, as I addressed in the Africa report, Caleb went over and talked with him. Brother Paul, he understood. And he became a bride believer as well. In fact, we talked on the phone. And he expressed his gratitude for this truth. And so Caleb needed to go back to Kasumu up north of Lake Victoria. He needed to go back up to Kasumu for some reason. And so the three of them, Caleb, Brother Derek and Brother Paul headed up to Kisumu on the next day, on the 20th. And the reason that Brother Derek came is because he was going to then catch public transportation and take him back to Busia, there where we had had that meeting and where he lived. And so Derek came along for the ride and he got public transportation and went back to Busia. So that left Caleb and brother Paul. Well, they received a phone call. It was the police. And what happened was brother Derek made it back to Busia. But he was walking along the road and evidently passed at that point. Because someone found him dead along the road there at Busia. Well, they wanted to talk with Caleb because he was the last one to see him. And he had been staying with him. And so the police asked if Caleb would come to Busia and talk with them, which he and brother Paul freely did. They went back to Busia. Well, the drama's not over, folks. Not only was there the bitterness of Brother Derek now passing. So we've had Choi and Sister Doran the baby and now Brother Derek all passing in the month of April in the breach period. And when the police talked with Caleb, they decided to put him in jail and keep him for two weeks while they did an investigation. So not only did brother Derek die on the 20th, now Caleb was sitting in a cold jail cell, which he was not looking forward to spending the night in or any other amount of time. And so I got a phone call from them and I eventually talked to Caleb. And I said, Caleb, brother, find out how much it would cost to release you on bond. And so he called back later on, and the first amount, I think, was over $1,000. But he got them down to $650. So now, after providing the $680 to restore all the possessions that Satan had taken, we were now looking at $650 bond to get him out of jail. And gratefully, with what we had and with what another brother was freely willing to provide, because he didn't want Caleb to be in jail one night, we were able to provide his bond money. But it stayed in the account until I went to bed and I thought, what's the deal? Because he had said that. He'd get the bond money and he'd be released and he could go back home. But here I was going to bed and the bond money was still in the account that he would withdraw from with the debit card. And I didn't know what was going on. And what I found out the next day, which is today, was that the ATM machine that was there by the jail. Wouldn't work. And so he was delayed in getting the bond money. And what brother Paul did is he contacted a businessman and borrowed the $650 with the understanding that Caleb would get it back to him. And so the bottom line is that they did get him out of jail and the money that they had borrowed by the businessman was paid off. But here's what's interesting. Because of the delay, Caleb didn't get out of jail until midnight. But he got out of jail at midnight. Now, folks, everything about April has been prophetic. And let me also say this, and I'm not through. We have been in Africa for 17 months. And we have never had the calamity that has been experienced in the month of April. Never there was one time that Caleb and the men who were with him in the cart were robbed one night, and that was interrupted by someone coming by, and he just happened to be a pastor whom they had taught, and they helped Caleb to get back on his feet. That's the only difficulty real difficulty that's happened in almost a year and a half. But here in the month of April with this breach, we have had four deaths already and calamity upon calamity. And like I said, this is not the end either. But it was so striking that Caleb got out of jail at midnight. Now, if you know the scriptures, Does that ring a bell to you? How about Acts 16? Paul and Silas were taken and put in jail. And it says in verse 25 and about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, verse 26, there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. Folks, that is exactly what we need. We need Yahweh God to perform this very thing, but in a true fulfillment, not a natural jail. So here at midnight, Paul and Silas were delivered from their chains in jail. And of course, the people repented. And it's most interesting, of course, that Caleb is with a man by the name of Paul. And Caleb is delivered out of the jail at midnight. And he and Paul go back home. And what other testimonies do we have about midnight? Exodus 11 and 12. It was at midnight when Yahweh struck the firstborn of Egypt. And the sons of Israel were all delivered from death. And it was because of this plague that they were delivered out of Egypt as well. They got out of their own chains, their own cell, their own bondage, just like Paul and Silas did. And it was because of a work at midnight. And here Caleb gets out of jail at midnight. What else do we see? Samson was getting ready to be destroyed by the people in the city where he was. And at midnight, he arose, took hold of the doors of the city gate and the two posts. He pulled them all up and he carried them off to a mountain that was opposite of Hebron. So here we see Samson being delivered as well at midnight. And he took the gate with him. And while there are other testimonies as well, let's not forget the ten virgins in Matthew 25. Five of them foolish, five of them prudent and wise. And when did the shout come? Behold, the bridegroom come out to meet him. When did that take place? At midnight. So here Caleb was prepared probably about 10 o'clock to get out of jail. But the ATM machine wouldn't work so as to provide the testimony that he gets out at midnight. Folks, there is clear evidence that this April period is prophetic. And yes, there's a lot of calamity. And this is not all yet. We're not even through April. I'm recording this on the 21st. And I hate to think what's ahead of us, but I do know this. Yahweh is sovereign. He's going to do the work that he wants to do. And this brings us to the 21st when I'm recording this. I was ready to record it earlier in the day, but I had to delay. Why? Because Caleb and Belinda were in the market trying to take care of some things. And another motorbike came. But this one crashed into Belinda while she was walking, ran over her, and he drove away. So now Caleb has one more issue after getting out of jail. On the 21st, his wife is now hurt by this motorbike. So I called him at one point, and he told me what had happened. And obviously, he is distressed by all of this. It is one calamity after another, and he's worried about his wife. So Brother Paul goes and gets the car. They put her in it, take her to the hospital. And now she has two broken legs as well and a broken rib. But Caleb is at least relieved. He used that word. I said, how are you doing? He said, I'm relieved because he knows his wife will be fine. But tomorrow on the 22nd, they will be driving over to a town by the name of Tenke, where that hospital can take care of her broken legs. The hospital there in Rongo, it was beyond them. And so she will be taken to Tinky tomorrow, and they will put casts on her legs. Folks, how would you like to be an intercessor? I tell you, there have been many times in this month of April I've had to reassure Caleb what's going on and tell him to be strong, that the Father knows what he's doing, and he is performing a work of a testimony of what Breach Christianity is, and it will mean gain for us whenever we enter into May. There is a passage that I'm very aware of right now. Because keep in mind, this period of April is the breach. And in Ezekiel 22, 30, we read, I searched for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land, so that I would not destroy it. But I found no one. Folks, let's look at what the church is. The church for 2,000 years had the first remnant to begin it. But that work breached, and we went into the great and terrible wilderness for 2,000 years. This is the breach. This is the work that is spoken of there in Ezekiel 22. That Yahweh looked for a man who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before him so that he wouldn't destroy it, but he found no one. Folks, let me tell you what intercession is. When Yeshua said, I will not drink From this cup until I drink it new with you in the kingdom. He took the Nazarite vow, and he was governmentally in the garden at that point. That's what the Nazarite vow represents. It represented being in the garden where there was no death, they could not drink anything from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, any wine, and they could not cut their hair. Those are the qualities of the garden. And so when Yeshua took the vow of the Nazarite, he was legally in the garden, which is why he went to a garden and prayed. Well, folks, we are legally, particularly Caleb, we are legally in the breach period in April. And we have never in the history of the bride and certainly not in Africa, had this relentless calamity and death and loss like what we have had in this breach period of April. And it's not over with yet either. There is still a portion before us, just over a week. We cannot live for 2,000 years Yeshua could not go back into the garden. But he could go back as an intercessor. He could enter into the garden legally as an intercessor by taking the vow. Folks, obviously, this period of April is an intercession as though we were living 2,000 years. And Caleb... And others have suffered dramatically because of it. There is a man who has stood in the gap. And I do believe he has found one. With Caleb, who has endured it. And if I might say so, and myself, who has given him strength inability to go through this. He could not have done it without my support and without the support of other bride members who have provided finances and made it possible as well. I would say to you that in this breach, in this gap, there is a people who have stood in the gap, and he can find us now. Do you see what can well be what he is doing right now? This period is calamity and difficulty and loss and death from April 1st and even before that, which is typical because the first remnant died as well. But the great and vast calamity and loss has been in April, beginning on April 1st when Yeshua was crucified. I do believe that Yahweh has designed April to be an intercession whereby we can't live 2,000 years But we can live for a month and fulfill the need for someone to stand in the gap. Where Satan has taken from us, we have repaid. We have given Caleb strength to go on. And he's even said to me, I couldn't make it otherwise. It's through our support and our encouragement that Caleb has, in fact, made it. And it is my sincere hope that we can legally qualify for Ezekiel 2230. And he can now say, I found someone to stand in the gap in this intercession. And he can, therefore, bring forth the second remnant in May. And send us his spirit. In a strange way, April is actually an encouragement to me. It is an encouragement in that it is clearly the breach. And the first remnant in March is evidenced as well. So, May can bring, hopefully, the fulfillment that we all have to have because we've walked out this two months thus far, almost two months, walked out this two months period, which hopefully will qualify us for the outpouring of the blessing and the fulfillment in May. And of course, we have a tabernacle's Pentecost and a delayed Passover And the Hebrews have it as a Pentecost on May 31 at the very end. Do you now understand our cause for hope? I would ask you to pray for Caleb and the brothers in Africa. I spoke with him recently. I said, Caleb, you are the head of this work in Africa. And Satan is going to afflict you and those around you and cause this calamity. And the reality is, if I was there, it wouldn't happen because I'm a white man. Caleb is a black man and he has to take the blows. He has to pay the price. And it is our sincere hope that he will endure to the end and that Yahweh will not test him beyond what he is able and that we will strengthen him and make it possible for him to endure and it is through your financial help folks I can't spend this kind of money apart from you and apart from your help we are One in purpose. And I need you. And you can pray for Caleb. And for Belinda. For all of those in Africa. And pray that Yahweh God. Will give them victory. That is our prayer. That is our hope. We look for the remainder of this month. To have its way. And we pray that Yahweh God gives us the promise of may. May it be true. May it be fulfilled. In the name of Yeshua. All right, before we close, and what I'm getting ready to share with you now is actually what I'd planned even before what I just shared. What I had planned to be the next podcast, but with so much happening in Africa, I had to add that, but what I'm getting ready to share with you now was my originally intended plan for a podcast. This information and understanding came about from a conversation with another brother. As I was expressing these things, I began to see things more clearly. And let me preface it with this comparison. It's like having pieces of a puzzle that are spread out. And because they're spread out, you don't understand how they all come together and present something that is order and fulfillment. And in sharing with this individual, I began to see how all of these puzzle pieces come together. And this was actually for the first time. Now, the different pieces I understood, but I'd never seen them come together this way. And I want to share it with you now. Let's begin with the sons of Israel coming out of Egypt. Most appropriate beginning, especially in light of what we've been talking about. The midnight call. They came out of Egypt and they traveled up to Sinai. And they were there for a period of one year and they celebrated Passover. This is a real general assessment of this time. But they left at Passover and then it's recorded that they celebrated Passover. That would have been a year later. And in this period, Yahweh had given Moses the revelation of the tabernacle in the wilderness, and they built it. And having built it, they then proceeded forward to the promised land. Now, they got up to a place called Kadesh Barne, and they were going to enter into the promised land And they, as you know, established 12 spies to go in and check it out. And they came back with a negative report, at least 10 of them. Joshua and Caleb gave a true witness and the other 10 a false witness. And it ended up costing them their entrance into the promised land at that point. Now, when did that take place? In Yahweh God's timing. Well, we know by the very fruit that they brought back because they brought this great mass of grapes back with him on a pole. And that would be the grape harvest. Well, if you don't know this already, let me give you a little education about the feasts. Passover is the barley harvest. Pentecost is the wheat harvest. And Tabernacles, towards the end of the year, is the grape harvest. So you had barley, wheat, and grapes. And fitting with everything else about that timing, they obviously went up to the promised land at Tabernacles, but they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now... Let me point out something here that is most important and very helpful in understanding what Yahweh is saying in all of this. In Steve Jones' book, Secrets of Time, he notes that at the very timing of the sons of Israel coming up to the promised land to enter in, it was in fact the 50th jubilee of time from Adam. Let me help you understand this. You have a jubilee waiting period of 49 years, and then you have jubilee on the 50th. Well, Yahweh God never had a jubilee fulfilled in all of history. The reason is, is because we've not experienced jubilee, and you're going to understand more about this as you listen to this podcast. So if you have 50 periods of 49 years, you see 50 Jubilee waiting periods, that would be 2,450 years. Now, what's interesting is that that was the precise time that the sons of Israel came up to the promised land to enter in. Now, another significant point about this is that Jubilee always occurred on the 10th day of that month, which is atonement. So jubilee and atonement were on the same day. And on jubilee, they would blow a trumpet. They would sound a trumpet and that would be jubilee, which again, a jubilee was never ever carried out in the scriptures. But do you understand what we're talking about here? When the sons of Israel came up, to the promised land to enter in, they would have entered in at Tabernacles, the great harvest. Not only that, but it's 50 periods of 49 years, and this would have been Jubilee. They would have entered in at Jubilee, which is in the same month of Tabernacles. Do you see the spectacle of what's going on here? We're talking about a testimony in which man would enter into tabernacles and fulfill tabernacles. Folks, Passover has been fulfilled. Pentecost has been fulfilled. Tabernacles is yet to be fulfilled. Put that in your register, in your mind. Tabernacles is yet to be fulfilled. And when it is fulfilled, it will be at Tabernacles. That's what the journeys of the sons of Israel represented when they came up to the promised land to enter in. Do you see that? Do you understand? Do you grasp it? If you want to know what the fulfillment of Tabernacles will be, you just got a snapshot of it. It will be Jubilee. It will be tabernacles. It will be the feast that is yet to be fulfilled. Got that? Okay, let's go forward. So when the sons of Israel did enter into the promised land, when did they enter in? Well, the scriptures tells us that they entered in at Passover. They crossed the Jordan, and then they celebrated Passover. Now, will Passover bring us into the fulfillment of Jubilee or Tabernacles? No, that's a Passover work. But it is related. There is the testimony that they did enter in that that Passover, but the promised land was not the promised land that would testify concerning a Jubilee work. Because they went to Jericho, of course, and had victory there. Now keep that one in mind because we're getting ready to take that puzzle part here in a minute. But then a man by the name of Achan stole some things. Some gold and I think silver and some precious things. Hid them under his tent. And when they went to gain victory, I believe it Ai, I think is what it is. They failed. They got defeated. Well, if we enter into the promised land, do you think that really is going to be the case where we're all of a sudden failing? And when they did go into that promised land, did they actually conquer the whole land? and became subject to them? No. Did they cast out all the foreigners? No. It was a failed testimony. It was a failed work. What has to happen is that we enter into a promised land in which you don't have all these failures. And so let's take our feasts here and let's look at what has to happen. Okay? Let's look at reality. Reality, number one, Passover is fulfilled, it doesn't need to be repeated. It was fulfilled, but it was fulfilled early. It was fulfilled, if you would, before the time. It wasn't time for the kingdom to come. But he had to bring the kingdom early. Someone wrote me recently and said, why did he do it early? He had to do it early so that it would fail. It would be just like the sons of Israel going into the promised land too early. And that is exactly what you have for 2,000 years. The sons of Israel failing, and you have Ai, and you have Achan, and all this business. That's what Christianity has been for 2,000 years, even the first remnant. It was all a failed work. We can't have that now. Pentecost is fulfilled, but who wants it? That Pentecost is you got two loaves of leavened bread. That's fulfilled. you got 2,000 years of Christianity. And so that's not what we need either. What we need is the fulfillment of tabernacles. So the question I ask is, what will be the fulfillment? What will bring the fulfillment? Where we have the kingdom of God in the way that it is supposed to be and not be a failure, not be a failed work. And how do we get it? How can we accomplish it? How can we secure it? Let me give you a hint. Did Passover secure the blessings of a promised land that was needed? No. No, it was a failed work. You don't see the sons of Israel in the promised land enjoying their land. They got a little spackling of it is all. And they're surrounded by their enemies. So here's the question, folks. Hear the question, what is it that will afford us the opportunity to enter into our promised land? What is it? What will be accomplished? What is the promised land that Yahweh God was truly speaking of? Is it Christianity? No, it's a failure. It's a corruption of the kingdom. It's 2,000 swine going to the sea of death. What do we have to have? It has to be a tabernacle's work that is testified to be jubilee. What do we have to have? Here is the answer. In previous podcasts, you have learned that this body that we have, that we possess... Is born to us by the devil. This mortal flesh that we have is given to us by Mother Earth and Mother Satan. The earth is cursed, still cursed, and we got a body from it. There were never any offspring in the Garden of Eden, never. They didn't come until after the fall. That's because Mother Satan was giving us these bodies. That are of this earth. And they lead to death. And corruption. Oh wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death. The things that I want to do. I can't do. The things I don't want to do. I do. It's this flesh folks. You don't understand. That this flesh. Is an absolute corruption. And can never bring forth. What we have to have in performance, what has to happen is that these bodies must be taken up to heaven and there be transformed into an immortal, incorruptible body that is from above and that we come back to this earth with Emmanuel and rule and reign for a thousand years. Listen to me. Tabernacles looks to us getting out of this earthly flesh and getting into that born from above body. That is what Tabernacles is all about. The 50th Jubilee, Jubilee is when you go back to the land that belongs to you that you have lost. We lost the garden 6,000 years ago. We lost it. Jubilee is getting out of this flesh and entering into the body that we have to have so that we don't have the corrupt garden anymore. So knowing this, Let's start putting together the pieces of the puzzle. Okay? The only way we can fulfill tabernacles is at tabernacles. Passover was fulfilled at Passover. Pentecost was fulfilled at Pentecost. The only way we can fulfill tabernacles is at tabernacles. The sons of Israel first came up to the promised land at tabernacles. They didn't enter in. We have to enter into too our immortal incorruptible bodies at tabernacles. And I've addressed this before. In Solomon's temple, when it was dedicated, there were seven days of purification, cleansing, dedication, and then you have eight days of tabernacles. And then on the eighth day, the great eighth day, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water, as Yeshua said. That will happen after we have been in heaven for 15 days. And then there's the Bible contradiction between Kings and Chronicles, knowing that Christianity will not get their immortal incorruptible bodies, but we the bride will. And you can look that up. (laughs) But the testimony of the sons of Israel tells us what we have to have. We have to have the fulfillment of tabernacles. Now, Let's move forward. They get up to the promised land at Passover. It doesn't give them what they really need. And we have not been able to get what we need for 2,000 years because Tabernacles is not fulfilled yet. But there is a testimony as to what is necessary for us to have in order to have that tabernacle's experience, and that is given to us when they went up to Jericho to conquer it. Remember there was the scarlet thread in the window? That's the scarlet thread, the promise, that Zara received in order to be the firstborn. There was Zara who stuck his hand out of the womb, got the scarlet thread, took it back in, then there's Perez the Breach. Ugh. Can you say April? Perez the Breach. And then Zara was born with the Scarlet Thread. That was the Scarlet Thread that was in the window of the harlot. But now here's what I want to get to. In the last podcast titled Update and Hopefield Understanding we examine this matter of the last trumpet. And in that examination, we pointed out that when the sons of Israel went up to Jericho, it was in fact the last trumpet that was blown that allowed them to go up. You remember that scripture? You blow the trumpet, then you go up it is evident that the last trumpet of the seven mentioned there is in fact the trumpet that calls us up into heaven. Are you seeing this? Jericho, the last trumpet, testifies what will truly get us into the promised land in which we enter up into heaven. It speaks of trumpets, if you would. Again, the jubilee. There was this snapshot of Jericho of saying, okay, if you really want to enter into the promised land, it's not by Passover. It is by trumpets. That is what will take you into the promised land. But Yahweh couldn't testify to it in any other way He couldn't testify of them going in at trumpets because the church would totally fail. But he did give a witness that when they went in to the promised land, it would be by the sounding of the trumpet and we would go up. So now are you seeing those two puzzle pieces of trumpets and Jericho are saying the same thing? He's giving us a hint as to what is going to truly get us into the promised land. And he had to do it in a discreet way so as to not bring full understanding until it's time to go in. We do see now that Jericho was a type of trumpets and we know what trumpets would have got the sons of Israel into had they not been a flesh work. The work that has to take place is that we go up, ascend into heaven, and receive our immortal, incorruptible bodies. So, what other puzzle piece do we have in all of this? Well, you see, Passover couldn't get them in, not to the true fulfillment of the promised land. But Passover has a unique exception any other feast. Passover has a provision that if you've been on a long journey or if you have been among the dead, which disqualifies you for Passover, then you can wait and have a delayed Passover. And with that delayed Passover, Yahweh has given us the testimony, the Hezekiah, who is the only one who ever had a delayed Passover. And not only was it a delayed Passover, but it was a double portion delayed Passover. So we see yet another testimony of what will get us into the promised land. Because at that delayed Passover, they cleansed the temple and restored and cleansed the people and made them ready. Are you seeing the three puzzle parts here? that speak of the same thing in what we have to have today. Because on May 31 of 2017, at the end of our third part in this period, and hell is set forth in Africa, surrounding Caleb for the breach, April, that leads to death. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy And that is exactly what has happened to Caleb and those around him for the entirety thus far of this breach period of April. And what we have to have is the May 31 fulfillment of number one, a Tabernacles Pentecost. So we've got to have a Pentecost. You have to add a Pentecost to Tabernacles and you do it by moving it out towards into the month you know i don't know how you want to say it ahead but anyway back towards passover and such and that's what we have with our may 31 tabernacles pentecost and you can look that up and study that some more but not only is it a tabernacles pentecost but it is the same date may 31 is right in the middle of what would have been hezekiah's double delayed Passover. So, look, Passover had to be fulfilled at Passover, right? Indeed. Well, it's the same thing today. If you want fulfillment of a delayed Passover, it has to be at a delayed Passover, and that's exactly what we have at May 31. And then add to that, of course, the Tabernacles Pentecost, so that we can receive a Pentecost, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, since the former rain was with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Well, we have to have an outpouring of the Spirit with the latter rain. And so it has to be a Pentecost. But what we find, it can't be 149, but we're going to move forward 349s. And that's explained in the writings as well. And then also, as though it's a testimony to the Jews... Their Pentecost falls on May 31 of 2017. So you have three witnesses. The scripture says there has to be about two or three witnesses. Well, folks, there are two and even three witnesses to May 31. May 31, 2017 is the greatest hope I've seen yet in my 23 years. You see, let's throw that one in there. I was born August 7, 1948. Add 23 years. I became a believer and began my walk with Yeshua. All right? Now, let's add another 23 years. Where does that bring me? It brings me to 1994. The other one was 1971. This one is 1994. And what happened in 1994? That's when Yahweh gave me the revelation of the bride. Now let's go forward 23 more years. Where is that going to put us? This year, 2017. So I have my three 23s. And there are podcasts that deal with this 23, 23, 23. And you can go listen to them if you haven't already. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit the latter rain at my age of 69 would be transformative for all mankind. For me, it was transformative in 71. For me, it was transformative in 1994. But what could happen this year will not only transform myself, but it would transform the world. And again, it's when A tabernacle's Pentecost, a delayed Hezekiah Passover, and a regular Jewish Pentecost all coincide on May 31. Is it going to happen? We're not there yet. I can't tell you. I can tell you this. March was first remnant. It testified to being it. And I can tell you with complete confidence, bitter, bitter, bitter bitter, complete confidence that April has been breached Christianity. Our poor brother in Africa, Caleb, and all those about him, evidence this. He is paying a great price. And we stand with him to ensure that he gets through this breach. And then we have May, And that is indeed our hope that Yahweh God is going to fulfill his word and complete that which he has begun. And there are all these evidences, those three puzzle parts that I just laid out for you and all of this about Africa, all of these evidences, Africa being now come May 31 will be a year and a half in Africa, like the first remnant was a year and a half all of these evidence that we are at the time of fulfillment. That is, in fact, our great hope. And we look to the Father. Well, I hope you appreciate what you've learned, what you've heard. And I am grateful for this time to be able to share it with you. And we continue on this journey. We still have a week in this breach period. and then as May comes up, (laughs) we will face it with wonder and trepidation of what Yahweh might do, and we hope he does. And so I pray and hope this is the time of fulfillment. It's the greatest chance of fulfillment in my life, and we can simply look to him. It's like what I wrote in a newsletter once, and uh, we had Sunshine House Ministries. In May of 1994, I wrote a newsletter, and I said, by God or not at all. And folks, that's where we are today. It's by God or not at all. I'm just grateful for what we see, and I'm grateful for the hope we have. And I pray that Yahweh God fulfill what he has begun. And we give him praise. In the name of Yeshua. Amen.